Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Um, Dub is a video communication platform, and we are all about talking to leaders, empowering people, enabling people to communicate. And in this case, getting over a couple of mental hurdles, which we have the perfect guest to guide us on. Keenan, let's get into this. Uh, give us a little bit of a bio here, and then let's get into the topic on why no one cares about us. Wow, bio. I kind of suck at those. I don't know. I wrote a book. I ski. I got a big mouth. Challenge people. I like to have fun. How's that for a bio? That's perfect. Your book in Amazon is called Gap Selling. I absolutely adore the cover of that. Super, super interesting. It's like peeling back the layer and getting to the truth. So important here. Um, why? What is this idea of no one caring about us for salespeople? Like, guide us on that a little. What is the problem? And then present the solution to us. Yeah, look, for years we keep thinking that, you know, people care about the products they buy. They, they People say all the time, you know, or salespeople act or, or think that that what they're selling, the people care about. Like people will love my product, they'll love this, they'll love that. The truth of the matter is people don't really care about you, your product, your service, your company. They don't care at all. What they care about is the outcomes that they're trying to uh, achieve. They care about the outcomes that they're trying to, to get. So at the end of the day, if buying a – like if you're a middle-aged dude who's going through a crisis and you're buying a Porsche or a Ferrari because you know you want to, you know, get the attention of women. Mm. If you could just snap your finger and get the attention of women, you'd snap your finger and you wouldn't <laughs> buy the fucking car. <laughs> right? so if, if everything we buy is is a path towards something, right? So something. I could I could sell a podcast instead of a Porsche because podcasts get attention. Yeah. Hey, look. If 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 a podcast would get a, a, a middle aged dude attention with younger women, then they buy it, right? Yikes. Yes. Wow, there it is, man. So it's not the product it per se; it's the outcome they're looking for. And so we got to understand that. And so because I say no one cares about salespeople, what I'm trying to tell you is if you think that someone cares about you or your product or your service and they're interested because you sell something, whatever, no, they just see you as an ends to a means. Mm. And the better you are at helping them understand that you can get them to that end and that you are the means to their end, the more value you have. But all they care about is the end. That's all they care about. Okay, so where does that come from? Is that ego? Is that arrogance? Is it poor coaching? Is it greed? Guide us on that. What's the peel back the onion? What's going on in there? Like, why do people? Why do salespeople think it's about them? Yes, because we ha we we default naturally to the product, right? We and and so we see ourselves an extension of the product. So and we are, we see ourselves as the gatekeeper, right? To to something. So if I'm you know you see it when people come into car dealerships and. And you're going into the Range Rover dealership with a Porsche or a Ferrari. They're, you know, they're like, does this person have the money to buy what I want? Do they have this? The salesperson's focused on the product and them, right? They're not really focused on understanding that the person coming through the door, whether or not they can afford it right now isn't the point. But the point is they have some vision of what they want to accomplish by coming through that door. How their world is going to be different if they make this purchase or better yet, make this decision to buy. And so that's what they're focused on when they come through is the change, the outcome, how they're going to feel, what they're going to get, how their life is going to be different. And you need to be focused on that, not your product or your service. 
All right. So in this setup, I think we have we have a guide and we have a hero, right? We have the hero is the client. They're the ones that are trying to solve that problem, in this case, to get attention or to re remove a pain point, to have a vitamin in their life. And then we, as the salespeople, we are a guide to get them to that place. So we are like Morpheus, you know, and they are like Neo, right? So how can we reset our minds to get our ourselves into a place where we're putting our heroes on the stage and we're thinking about their needs. We're not thinking about what our needs are. Because a lot of the times when someone's trying to sell a Porsche, they're trying to secretly buy their own Porsche yes. from the commissions. Yes, yes. No, it, look, it's a great question. And the first way you do that is you have to start putting yourself in the shoes of the person buying what you're selling. So you before the day starts or whatever you sell, you know what you sell. It's not mm -hmm. like we wake up every day and we have something different to sell. So when you take a job as a salesperson, you start asking yourself, okay, uh, I'm selling SaaS software for sales companies. I'm selling a Porsches. I'm selling, um, you know, restaurant meats and stuff with Cisco. I don't really care what it is. You got to stop and say, okay, how does my product or service help them? What does my product and service enable in their life today? Right? What is going wrong or what could be going wrong in their life today that my product and service can solve, which will then enable them to achieve what? And when you start looking at it through your buyer's eyes, when you start looking at it through the perspective of the person buying, that allows you to get very close to them uh, metaphorically and start having conversations that are in tune and in alignment with what's important to them and they start to feel like, oh my gosh, this person's the hero. They get me. They understand me. They know what I'm trying to do. And here's a great way to illustrate it. Have you ever walked into a, a clothing store and the person comes up and says, oh, what are you looking for? And they're like, oh, nothing. I'm just looking for some nothing. I'm really fine. And they say, well, let me show you this over here. Well, nine out of 10 times, you're not looking for just nothing. You might be going on a date. You might have a, a wedding to go to. Maybe you need a new, you're going on vacation, need a new bathing suit. And they just, you, they say nothing, but they still try to show you shit. And then and, and they're showing you a pair of jeans. You're like, I'm going to Mexico. I don't need, no, I'm fine. Leave me the fuck alone. It's the person who asked the second or third question that says, well, if I'm fine, like, well, what brought you in? Well, I'm going on a trip to Mexico. Oh, so are you here to see bathing suits? You here to find, like, what, what? what? Yes, yeah, so I bathing suit. Okay. And then, that, you know, they keep asking those questions, right? And like, okay, tell me, are you looking for the two the two thirds or the three quarter? Are you a surfer? Are you going to be in a pool? Like, they, and the more questions they ask, the more comfortable you believe they can actually find what you want. And now you see them as a resource. Like, oh, this person can actually help me. I want you to help me. So what you're talking about is empathy, isn't it? To yeah, understand someone's huge. problems. Yeah, yeah. Huge. So, uh, so how many salespeople in this day and age are getting trained on empathy? <laughs> None. That's that's not uh, what I hear about a lot. I I hear about uh, KPIs. I hear about on time earnings. I hear about um, crushing quotas. I hear about <laughs> closing like a beast. I hear still that. I still hear that rhetoric and. What you're talking about is the future of sales, which is empathy, which is understanding people's problems to put yourself into the position that they're in and then trying to solve it. Like yes. Give them an actual viable solution yes. that's not snake oil. So yes. now, now bring me into that world. How can we train ourselves to be more empathetic? Like it's easy. You know, when I look at my kids, I got a seven-year-old son and, you know, I could see him and I could see him go and take the kinetic sand and then spray it all over the living room. And I can say, 
okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna do this one? Am I gonna am I gonna get upset? Am I gonna get angry? Or am I gonna see and am I gonna say, am I gonna say to myself, you know what? He's learning about science, he's learning about gravity, he's learning about physics, he's learning about all these amazing scientific things. How do I handle this? Right. So, how do I put myself into his struggle, his curiosity? Guide us on that. Well, you know, it's funny this too. With we'll take a quick side note with your son, it's it's in the middle. Because in and I know well, what act back, that thing's a good answer for both, right? Because in scenario number one, you yell at him, right? And and that's no empathy, and that really doesn't put you in the shoes of understanding where he is and what's going on. So that's like the salesperson who just says, Oh, well, you look at here, let me show you this. And you're showing me heavy wool pants, and I'm supposed to go to Mexico, right? That's that. The other side, though, is going too far. And it's and it's saying, like, oh, he's learning gravity and he's learning science and he's doing this. Well, guess what? He's he's not learning etiquette. He's not learning right time and place, right? He's not learning um, consequences. He's not learning that other um, that he's not the only one in the world. So that's the equivalent of the salesperson when someone calls them and says, hey, I need a bathing suit or I need uh, a new SaaS application for X Y Z. Like, great, I got that, and they sell it to you. That's the equivalent of that because that's going too far too because. You may not need what you think you need. And if I just give you what you asked for, I could actually be harming you, right? Because you think you need the SaaS application to do these three things. But as I dig in, I understand what the problem is. Like, ah, that, that's going to hurt you more than help you, right? Like a, a dumb example is I own a Jeep and, and uh, I'm thinking, I was thinking about what's called lockers. I won't go too far into it, but these locker concepts was locks all four wheels on really steep terrain and, and stuff like that. Well, you got to be a serious four-wheel drive enthusiast to need lockers. And so that'd be like me running in and saying, Hey, I need lockers and spending 15 grand. And the, the guy at the store is like, yeah, no problem. I got lockers. Here your lockers to find out that I never do that type of four wheel drive. And I just wasted 15 K because traditional four wheel drive was going to be fine. So that's the other one you want in the middle. So with your son, it's, I'm not going to yell at you, but I'm not going to just say, Oh, good for you. I'm going to say, look, son, I love the fact that you're exploring. I love this, but let me explain something to you. Okay. Your mom has to clean this up. This is our living room, not just your living room. Um, it's a huge mess. You have to understand that there are other people in the world and you have to think about them and how it affects them, not just you. But I love what you're doing, so let's think about time and place. Flip it to selling, it's, I want this, but slow down. Hey, Keenan, why are you thinking about lockers? That's $15,000 investment. Tell me about how, where you four wheel. Tell me how often you four wheel. Tell me the types of places you go, right, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, okay, you know what I'd recommend instead of lockers, Keenan, is I would just recommend a standard um, four-wheel drive kit. I would raise it by an extra inch and a half. I'd get these types of tires. It'll get you everything you just said without spending the $15,000, mm. right? It's So it's just- and then, and then you're a customer for life. Yes, yes. And then <laughs> yes, and then you're the parent of the century. I am on my third Jeep. I am on my third Jeep. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah. I keep, I keep going business. back. Yeah. I keep going back. So, and then, you know, so that the point is it's about splitting the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And I think what's really interesting about this is there's this idea of risk taking, you know, and a lot of people in sales, they're, they're fearless. They're not afraid to try new things, to give things a shot. You know, they're in clubhouse, they're in the apps, they're talking to yep. their friends. They're learning some of the best practices. Hey, let me try that. They hear a new cold script. They, near her, they hear a new strategy to onboard someone and they're like, let me go try that. And they take a risk. They put themselves out there, which is why I absolutely love working with salespeople. Um, they're entrepreneurs sometimes. They're risk takers sometimes. Now, here's the interesting thing is that 
our technology at Dub, it attracts people like that because it's a new way to communicate with video, right? And what's so interesting is that there's this upstream strategy that we continue to see where someone that's a sales, like as SDR, BDR, and they go and they say, I'm gonna, new, I'm gonna do this new cool thing. I'm gonna check out Dub. And now I have to convince the folks upstairs to, to actually be okay with using this technology or this practice or this system, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get blocked and sometimes the door is open. So how can we sell up? How can we sell upstairs if we're in a team environment? Yeah, look, what I, what I find fascinating about salespeople is they claim that they know how to sell, but then they don't know how to sell. So the question you just asked is the same way you would sell anything else. Now in my world, that's gap selling. So if I want the guys upstairs or the girls upstairs, women, boys, whatever, right? The people upstairs to to support me in this, then I have to start with what I perceive the problem to be and get them to agree. So I go upstairs and say, you know, we've been talking or I've noticed we've been talking that we aren't seeing the inbound we'd like. Or I know we've been talking that we're not seeing some of the social engagement we would like. I know like whatever it is you think you know, because if you work for the company, you have insights, right? It's one thing if you don't know, but you, you should know you fucking work there. So you should take the two or three problems that you know that that person above you believes is an issue and you go, look, I think I can solve these this way. I would like to use dub to address the engagement to increase inbound to increase my own prospecting. Here's what I think I can do with it. This is where I think it'll solve it. This is what I need from you. And this is the outcomes that you'll get. It, it just start with the problem. It's the same way you would sell anything else, mm. right? It's selling the salespeople, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's the hard, hardest thing, marketing the marketing people, you know, it's like the person that cuts their hair doesn't have a good haircut. You know, how do we, how do we go back and, and, and fix our own problems, right? Cobbless children, right? Cobbless children have no shoes. That's right. That's right. You know, so that's really interesting. Take me through gap selling. You wrote a book about it. Amazing. Congratulations. Take me through that process. What was the aha moment? And what's, what's the, without giving everything away, you know, give us some knowledge bombs here. So there really, unfortunately, there wasn't an aha moment in, in, I mean, I guess it shouldn't surprise me. It should, but you know, look, I've been blogging for seven, eight years. I had thousands of blog posts. Um, I had been consulting for almost eight years. Um, I had been running sales teams for a really long time and people used to come up to me and say, when are you going to write a book? And I was like, look, I am not writing another rehash of all the shit that's already out there. So I'll write a book if I come up with an idea better than anybody. And I struggled for a while and then it hit me, right? Then this concept of the gap hit me and it, it happened because I was on a client site and one of the sales guys, I'm constantly having to coach. Nice guy, but man, it's like he just, he was hard-headed. And I finally said, I've had it. Let me walk you through this. And I ran up and I said, look, your customer's here today. And I started screaming on the board, okay? You need to tell me what the hell's going on today. And then I said, once you tell me that, then we can decide where the hell they want to go. And I said, this is where they want to be tomorrow. And so then I said, well, how, you know, and I started drawing all this up and I'm like, I sat down and I was like, oh, there's my book. And it wasn't that fast, but that was the concept. And so really what gap selling does is it mirrors the decision process. What most people don't understand is when we make a decision to do anything, we ask ourselves, what's going on today? We we take a look at our current state. We assess our current state. And once we assess our current state, we say something like, is it, tenable or is it untenable? Mm. And if it's untenable, we're like, I need to change. 
And then we ask ourselves, what are my change options and what are the costs? And the, based on what the change options are, the costs are then validated or invalidated by the size of the gap. And I'll just use the simplest example right now. You reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, will I be on your podcast, right? Most people would just say, I don't know, maybe yes, whatever. But if I stopped and thought about it, I had to be, my subconscious went through, have I been on any recently? How much of exposure have I gotten here? Um, is this guy's the same audience as mine? <clears throat> um, I mean, if, do I have access to this guy's audience? Um, am I getting enough inbound? Like all of that went through my head instantly, right? And then when I said, you know, I could use a little more exposure. I could use something different, right? Because I'm not necessarily sure where I want to be. I started, that was my mind saying, I'm not entirely happy with where I am now. That was like, it probably happened in a split second, right? Once that happened, I picked up my hand and said, okay, what are my options? And then your potential option. And then I said, okay, what's the cost of that option? And it's 20, 30 minutes of my time. And what do I get for that? What's the outcome? Access to an audience that I only don't have. Well, I pay 30 minutes for an audience that I don't have based on where I am today. So that's how we make every single decision, whether it's to get up in the middle of a conference and go take a leak, right? Whether it's just drive home when you're out of gas and say, do I go home and get it in the morning? I do home and fill it up right now. We always, always think and make decisions that way. Assess current state, evaluate future state. What's the gap? What am I getting if I make the decision? What's the out desired outcome? Do that. And that's basically what gap selling is. It teaches you to sell in alignment with how we buy and how we decide. Okay, so give us that summary again. It's our it's our current state. It's our desire. Take me through that again. It's our current state and our future state. And the gap in between is the value. The bigger the gap, the more value there is and the more uh, sense of urgency and the more you'll pay. Mm. So a good example, if you had asked me to pay to be on your show, we wouldn't be here right now because the gap between where I was and where I wanted to be based on being on your show wasn't big enough. It was worth 30, 30 minutes of my time, right? But now let's just say I was just starting out and had no audience. And you asked me to be on your show, I might pay because where I am today, nobody knows me. And if I get on the show, some people will know me. So that gap's bigger. See what I mean? So that gap is bigger. So same show, same everything, but based on my current state and my future state, the gap based on my gap, changes how much I'll pay in the sense of urgency I'll, um, that's involved. Same product, same everything, yeah. just different scenario. Well, I think another thing that's interesting to add to this is that if someone, if I were to offer you, if I were to offer to pay you to be on this podcast, you might, you might say, okay, well, yes, that's interesting because I can monetize my time. Yep. Or you might say, you know what? I actually, that actually introduces something that I don't want to mess with is, which is paying for social currency or paying for goodwill. And yep. there, there, there could be some other things that I don't know that I'm actually giving away. Like, do I become the product at that point? So at some, at some point, social currency is actually worth more than, you know, real currency, monetary. Yeah, so, so doing what you did, you, you, you set it up brilliantly, but now add what helps me decide that goes back to my current state. Where am I today in the market? Am I perceived as somebody who is giving out free content and is a good, social, authentic person? Or is my perception in the marketplace like a Grant Cardone, right? <laughs> who is just about freaking the money and, and all that stuff. And so if by taking the money, how does that improve or affect my current state, right? And so again, everything comes back to my current state and what I want to get 
if I choose to change everything. That's the whole thing. What is my current state and what do I get if I choose to change? And is that outcome worth the change and the cost? Mm. And this this gap mm. is where all the opportunity lies. So now how do we com- how do we communicate that? How do we communicate all this value that can be realized here? How here's, do we do that? Here's the cool part. You don't have to communicate it. Okay. Once you start asking the – here – I, I, this is one of my favorite things. I'm looking at our clubhouse. One of our, my favorite things I do this with people all the time um, is, okay, wait, Ruben, I can do this with you. Are you happily married? Yes. Okay. Everybody's going to ask that question. So trying to get me to convince you of the value of me, let's pretend I'm a therapist, right? To convince you the value that I could bring of a therapist by asking if you're happily married is a dead end street and, and I'm just dead in the water, right? And that's what most salespeople do, Right. Are you happy with your current environment? Could you tell me about, you know, this? If I could if I could make your marriage happier, would you consider? And that just irks people, right? But watch what I do. And this is why you never It's, it's like a forced Socratic method where you're driving to the yes, but it's not it's not in an empathetic way. No. So, but it also it's not in a credible way. Now watch what happens here, right? And and now don't answer any of these questions by the way, cuz I don't answer. But if I if I'm going to gap sell you as a therapist and I get you on the phone, I'm going to say, may I ask you a few questions? And you'll say yes. And I say, um, if, you're, if, if you don't mind, could you share with me the last time um, you slept on the couch and what happened? Could you share with me the last time you called you? Or have you ever called your wife a name? And if so, why? Has she ever called you a name? How frequently do you call each other's names? What Do you know your wife's love languages? Does she know yours? When's the last time you did something for her just because knowing it was important to her and you wanted to make her feel special? When's the last time you guys were intimate? How often are you intimate? Um, is that similar to when you first got married? Is it getting worse? Now, notice when I'm done, look, I'm already seeing you thinking of it, by the way. Mm. When you're done processing all of this, do I have to tell you where your marriage sits? Well, I think what you did is you might realize that I'm either being honest with myself or I'm not being honest with myself. And whatever the issue is, that there's a problem that, that needs to be solved here. Yes. And what's really interesting about this, though, is not, not necessarily honest with yourself. This is the power of this one. Notice I didn't ask a single subjective question. Mm. I didn't ask you what you think. I asked you very objective questions. When's the last time you were intimate? When's the last time you called her a name? Now, you may forget. That's a little different. But the truth of the matter is there is no objectivity here, right? Um, sorry. Yeah. I mean, sorry. There's no subjectivity here. I'm literally asking these questions because if you choose to lie, like literally just flat out lie, like I know I called her a name, a bitch last night, but I'm going to lie, then you can't be helped anyways, mm. right? But nine out of 10 people, when they're in a setting with someone like a therapist or like a um salesperson, they will answer objective questions. But as you ask the objective questions, they give you the answers. As you tell me how many last time you as you tell me the last time you called her name, as you tell me the last time you slept on a couch, the picture is being painted. So I don't see what I'm saying. So as you give me all those answers, you and I are both sitting here looking at the same painting and you're like, all right, I love my wife and I'm happy, but these are some good points. I really hadn't thought about this. And it's, and it's crystallizing itself for you. I'm just the guy who's wiping off the mirror, right? So as a, as a buyer, you start to love me because you know what? I didn't even think about that. You're right. My sales team hasn't been doing this. 
And you know something? That's a good point. Um, you know, we've, we've, our churn has ticked up. Well, you know what? That's a good point. We're seeing an increase in our average sales price. I mean, sorry, our average time to close. So now I got you. I, I got you. Like, I don't have to tell you anything. You just told yourself. That's how yeah. you Well, okay. So this is what's interesting from my perspective. I'll give you an objection now. Okay. Okay. So the, the thing in this forum is that you got me, I got you, we're connected. We're on a Zoom call here. Of course, we're using StreamYard here. Yeah. But the thing, though, that's interesting is that a lot of people struggle to actually get that opportunity to ask those types of questions. Mm -hmm. Cold call. I still answer cold calls. If someone cold calls me, I give them like 12 seconds and I see what mm -hmm. they're going to do. Are they going to be honest? Are they going to tell me that they're cold calling me? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to say, oh, is this you know so-and-so? Are they going to say their first name and their last name? Mm -hmm. Are they going to not ask me if I'm busy? I'm going to figure out what they're doing. And based on that, I might give them the time of day or I might be like, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I try not to be rude because you know I don't want to be rude to salespeople. But at the same time, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Now, how, now my question for you is this. How do you get someone to remove their self-defense mechanism so that you can ask those questions? Great question, great question, and it's simple. Now, it's like anything else. I mean, some people don't care, they're not even gonna listen, but you wanna get the odds in your favor, it's really simple. You start with the problem. You get someone to connect to a problem that you solve. So rather than jumping out of the gate and saying, hey, I'm you know, Keenan, I sell sales training, blah, 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 you actually try to jump out of the gate and say, listen, I'm Keenan with a sales guy. I'd love to take a few minutes and um, and see if you are struggling with or you're unhappy with your average time to close or if your sales team is negotiating and giving away things too often. If any of these types of issues are something you're dealing with, this is stuff we fix. I'd love to set up some time next week to talk. So I don't even talk about my product. See what I'm, I go right to the problem. Do you know who does this really well? There's already a case study out here that, that there's someone who does this really well. Mm. Infomercials. Mm. Infomercials start with the problem. Mm. They recognize that when you're watching TV, and to your point, and this comes on, I've got to get you to stay with me. Mm. And what they've learned, when I start talking about the product, people are gone. Mm -hmm. But when you start with the problem, and like my favorite one, I don't know why it is, but the Tupperware one, when the lady opens the cabinet, all the Tupperware falls down on her, or she she's opens this drawer that's a mess, and she, she's trying to find the right top. And it's in black and white, by the yes, way. It, yes, and it's in black and white. <laughs> Gotta yes. be in black and white. <laughs> yes, and, it, and it's really dour music, and some yeah, guy is like, right. does this happen to you? Are you? Right, and so right. the reason they do that is they're trying to connect with you on the common problem. And they know that if they, if you have this problem and there's enough pain, you will sit and wait for the solution. I argue the same thing as in your emails and your in your cold calls. Mm -hmm. If I can get you to lock in on a problem and admit you have a problem, you'll stay for a few minutes to hear me out on how I can solve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how you do it. Lead with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in this case, there are some risks that have to be taken. You have to maybe make some assumptions yes. while still respecting the person's time and being yeah. empathetic. And that and that's an art. And I think that just takes practice. And you know, it does two things. One, it takes practice, but there's a lot more science than we understand. If I'm building a SaaS application for that, let's say I'm outreach, I built outreach. I already know, first off, who my target market is. So through that, I know it's going to be sales operations. It's going to be CROs. It's going to be VPs of sales, right? So now what do I know about them? Well, I know that the main problems that SVPs um, have that I solve is the lack of outbound leads. It's the inability for their sales team to connect with enough people fast enough 
right? So I already know. I only saw a handful of them. So it really is not as much of a risk as you think, right? So it could be one of five, one of four. So usually it's like a 25% risk. Highest risk is that there's one of four they could have. I got to pick the one I think this company might have the most and go for it. But it's not one in a million. And if I couch everything in, in understanding that this is their space, even if you miss it, they appreciate what they appreciate the fact that this is a real problem you could have had and they're not upset. Mm, good stuff, man. So tell me, where can people learn more about you? Uh, I want to know where we can find your book, Gap Selling, um, social channels, LinkedIn. Give me, give me everything. You did a great job. So you showed the book on Amazon. So it's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Um, and that's a good stern itself. Everybody listen and listen. Don't ever listen to the experts, okay? In today's world, in 2021, don't ever listen to the experts because I had a blog with 20,000 viewers. I had, I don't know, 15,000 followers on LinkedIn. I had, uh, I was picked as the top social influencer by, you know, sales something magazine, all kinds of stuff. And every publisher told me no. Mm. Every publisher told me no. So I said, fuck you. I'll do it myself. Mm. I, I'm coming up on 50,000 copies at full retail price. Not, I didn't write some stupid book and said $1.99. No, real book. Full retail price of 27 bucks on you know hard copy and 18 on soft copy. So my point in the story is you can only get on Amazon, Barnes and Noble because of the stupid publishers. But don't ever let an expert tell you or keep you from doing something. Go prove them wrong. Other than that, you can find me on LinkedIn under Keenan. Look, if you run Jim Keenan or Keenan, my full name or my last name, you can't find me. You're not trying. You don't care. It's that easy. I'm on Keenan LinkedIn, Keenan Vibes on Clubhouse. I'm everywhere. Keenan on YouTube. You can't miss me. Nice, man. Well, Keenan, I really appreciate your time, man. Super, super good conversation. So valuable. We're going to take this through our process and we're going to get it up on our blog. We're going to kind of transcribe it. We're going to chop it into micro clips. We can't wait to share this on social channels. We'll have a lot of fun. The conversation continues. And as we always say, the story continues on dub.com. So thank you so much, Keenan. Really appreciate you. Thank you, baby. I enjoyed it. You were great. Yeah, man. Stick around for some notes. All right. Peace.